0: What is going on, Matt? How are you?
1: Hi, how's it going? Super excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you. I I am, uh, I mean, we've had some technical difficulties. It's been a journey, but we're we're finally doing it. I think a good place to start is to tell the folks, to tell the people a little bit about yourself, and then we can get into Fusion.
1: Uh, Okay. All right. Um, My name is Matt Moynihan. Um, When I was 23 years old, I finished at the University of Buffalo and um, I'm a millennial and and climate change was probably the greatest threat facing our generation. And I thought, I want to do something that's a technical Hail Mary for that. So it became nuclear fusion. And I went to a Ph.D. program. I spent seven years studying nuclear fusion um, I along the way, I realized that part of the problem with fusion was that most people just don't understand it or believe in it or even think it will ever happen. Um, and so I started blogging and podcasting uh, about nuclear fusion. And um, I organized a nuclear fusion shark tank, which was really cool. And now I've written a book on nuclear fusion oh, uh, that's really. coming out. Yeah. Nature Springer, we're publishing this year. Um, and I was a nuclear engineer for the Navy too. So I've gotten to see fusion and fission and how, like, um, how we roll out fission plants on nuclear submarines and aircraft carriers. It's really cool. And so now I'm, a, I'm also a member of the fusion industry association and I help private clients, investors basically figure out how and where to put their money for private fusion which is now a thing there's actually now almost three dozen companies in the world that are trying explicitly to get net power from a fusion reactor which is really really exciting
0: yes and i we definitely need to get into that because eater is it eater ether no Eater. yes eater eater Eater. and 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 let the let the good people know what that stands for
1: (laughs) uh iter is latin for the way It's actually International Thermonuclear Energy Reactor, um, but ITER is what it's called. And it is a huge government bureaucracy kind of grinding forward. Um, And, I mean, I'm a supporter in the sense that it provides a lot of seed money, it does a lot of fundamental work, and it trains up a whole generation of fusion scientists, but but... Private sectors can do way better than government. Like Google can innovate more than a government can.
0: Oh yeah, they're they're much more efficient. And we're I don't. But I want to get back to the navy because actually I do have a bunch of questions regarding. And that's that's fission, right? That's nuclear fission. So that's yeah. Can our submarines and our aircraft carriers, because those run off of nuclear reactors, they can stay out like indefinitely, or is it about like 120 years before they need to refuel? Uh,
1: Thirty-eight.
0: Thirty-eight. Damn, I was way R- off roughly, on that.
1: Roughly, roughly, just, just roughly.
0: Are we? Um, so it's it's us, the UK, and does any, is anybody else using nuclear uh, power for sub or submarines and aircraft yes. carriers? It's just yes. us two, right? Uh, China,
1: Shit. China, and Russia. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah All right.
0: they've got the tech and okay. now there's
1: a program to bring nuclear power to australia yes i'm of aware of that
0: you're, you're yeah. News and everything.
1: yeah yeah, the, yeah.
0: The, the french were real pissed off about that but um they were. yes so so you're you're very involved in that and and i always want like why is it that um i'm a big proponent or always have been a big proponent of nuclear energy i i think that i mean i like neville a lot it's a it's a gentleman that i i I follow on social media when i was on it he 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 was of the opinions like we should be at like iteration like 200 of nuclear reactors for power um I, I think it'd be wise to kind of talk about some of the, the differences uh, because fission, we're using um, radioactive material, and then in, in fusion, it's it's based off of hydrogen, and and you're it's basically you're bottling a star. And I'm butchering all of this, but you're bottling a star, and and the the re- so you're bottling a star, and you're putting you're putting water through it, and that's kind of how you're getting the energy. How off am I on that explanation?
1: I, I mean you're not you're not off very I mean uh, yeah fusion it takes two little atoms to make a bigger atom fission take a big atom to make smaller atoms okay 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 and one produces about 10 to 15 times more power fusion produces about 10 to 15 times more power than fission i mean roughly roughly okay you know it's hard to predict cuz we don't we don't actually have fusion power plants anywhere in the world so you know, these are all rough numbers. Yeah. But, um, uh, and it produces it with no carbon footprint and the fuel you can get from seawater. So there's enough fuel to last us a thousand years easily in power consumption in the oceans. Um, so thousands of years, I should say. And the other thing is that you can use fusion for fusion rockets, which is one of the coolest spin off technologies uh, in fusion. So essentially, a fusion rocket. You take the plasma, which is a soup of positives and negatives, Mm -hmm. you fuse it, and then that's at the exit of a rocket. So material bursts out at the speed of light, Mm -hmm. hits Mm -hmm. the cone of the rocket, Mm -hmm. shoots Mm -hmm. out in one direction, and pushes the ship forward, What? which is really cool. And there's actually about – there's four companies in the United States that have NASA funding to build fusion rockets specifically – they project it can get to Mars in about 30 days, oh, and then geez. get back in about 90. So 30 days out, 90, 60 days back. Well, this conversation
0: yeah. just went off the rails because you got to space before I was going to get to space. Because I, when I look at the implications of this technology, I'm like, this we have to do this because this. We're, we're harnessing, the, basically, we're creating a mini sun <coughs> yeah. and extract, uh, extrapolating energy from it. And then we could put that and in, in use it to power spaceships, right? So, And then the That's next right. will be super close to a, a level one, a type one civilization. Like, yeah. that would be a huge step because there'd be so many technological inventions that would come from that. There already are. Um, they just, was, it was at MIT, if... They just created a new type of magnet for this? Yep. Okay, well, you're going to yep. have to get technical with this because that's as far all as right, I, right. I was able to get with that.
1: All right, so plasma is a soup of positives and negatives, okay? And it's all the atoms all, and the electrons all stripped apart and they're all flowing together. You can think of it like a fluid that conducts electricity. So mathematically, it's all the equations that control a fluid, navier stokes all the equations that control uh, electromagnetism, which is Maxwell's equations, you put those together. That's what controls a plasma. But what's awesome about that is you can control it with a magnetic field. That's probably the best way to control it. And so in a plasma that's held by a magnetic field, diffusion rate scales as the field strength of the fourth power. So as you make the magnet stronger, you get a huge boost in the amount of energy that's coming out of the plasma from fusion reactions. So the key to the whole thing is make an awesome (coughs) magnet. As you make the magnet better, all of these approaches, they go from being like science projects that only work for a short period of time, that have a limited performance, to continuous operation, much higher fields, much more fusion rate coming out, better performance overall, lower instabilities. It just takes the whole concept to 11. So right now, the the story in fusion right now is awesome magnets plus fusion research that goes back 60 years, putting those together and then seeing what comes out of it. And that's sort of where we are as a field right now. Yes. That's and, what's happening right now in fusion.
0: And it's, a, it's very exciting because this... the. Based off of the evidence out of MIT, they're like we could be at fusion and actually have working fusion mid-decade, like, like 2026, 2027. I mean, now, like, granted.
1: Possible. Possible. Maybe. It is, it's possible. Yeah. <clears throat> it is possible. So, so um, MIT founded Commonwealth Fusion Systems in 2017. It was a team of five people: uh, Bob Mumgaard, Zach Hartwick, Dennis White, Martin Greenwald, Dan Brummer, uh, and I might be forgetting somebody. <laughs> um, and uh, that story, they, they went out to investors and they said, "Hey, we'll take the we'll take a tokamak, we'll take these awesome magnets, put them together, and we believe that that will get us to net power by 2025, 2026, maybe." They're projecting that forward. So we and that's a really compelling argument. I want
0: to. I want to stop you right there. Not everyone's familiar with what a tokamak is, so could you could you explain that a little bit?
1: <clears throat> right. Yeah. the The number one all time world champion heavyweight of nuclear fusion is plasma in a ring, basically, and it's called a tokamak, and it's been around since 1960. The Russians invented it. Um, they actually did it in secret for about 10 years. When they came public with the results. Um, Uh, in roughly the sixties, nobody believed them. And so actually the West like freaked out and they sent a team of uh, UK and U S scientists over to Russia to measure the temperatures. And it proved to be the world heavyweight of fusion. Um, And so, and since then everyone has built bigger tokamaks, stronger tokamaks, and they just got better and better performance. So it kind of crushed a lot of other approaches Um, which are, it's kind of unfair because fusion, we haven't, we shouldn't really down select. There's lots of little ideas. This field's been around for 70 years. So there's been lots of stuff that's been tried. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. anyway, but the tokamak, no other machine has done as well. And so that's the leading contender right now for net power. Although I think there are other really cool things happening and other Mm -hmm. concepts. Anyway,
0: that's, that's incredible. I had, I had no idea about well i I do a little bit about the history and it's it's kind of fortuitous that it came from the soviet union right (laughs) especially with what's going on now but but um one of the things i wanted to get into was a kind of there's a lot of new technological components and things that we're inventing we're getting better on medic what what kind of technologies now, like when, when you're, we're talking about tokamats, I immediately, my brain shifts to 3D printing and kind of the future. Is yeah. is that something that they've considered? Like, uh, <clears throat> I'm, my mind's kind of over the place because Eater is this massive, massive project and they're they're the parts that some of the parts aren't even invented for it yet and it's taking forever. Is there plans in the future? Because um, I know a lot of some of the renegade uh, yeah the Renegade projects think that it's too big, and we need to, to bring it down in size to build a, a, a smaller fusion reactor. Has someone attempted to 3D print a Tokamak, or is that something that is going is, is in the, that you see in the near future as a possibility
1: so so there's in the us there's the Department of Energy Fusion Science Office, and they fund Eater and everything else. About five years ago, or actually 10 years ago now, ARPA-E, which was the energy agency created by Barack Obama, got into fusion and actually caused a kerfuffle at the top because Mm -hmm. DOE didn't want Mm -hmm. ARPA-E involved. Anyway, ARPA-E has been funding all of these small teams that have really innovative technologies or fusion concepts around the country. Mm -hmm. And one of them in Wisconsin called Type 1 Energy is a company Trying to 3D print superconducting wires for a, a, a fusion concept called a stellarator, which is a twisted tokamak. Basically.
0: Okay, yes, that's the one. That's it's, the one. It's with, it's, there's one
1: in Germany. It's called W7X. It's in Germany. It's a crazy looking machine. It's a twisted ring. It's really cool. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I wish, I wish but um, there's a couple, so there's a lot of exciting things. So there's that. 3D printing. There's AI using AI to control a fusion reactor and the plasma in a fusion reactor. And there's a couple examples of that. Google has a collaboration with a company called TAE. Mm -hmm. They did some AI control work on plasma. Microsoft has a a collaboration with a fusion company called General Fusion. They're Canadian. They have an AI thing going, too. Um, there's so there's that there's AI there's 3D printing for fusion and then the other one is the most important thing is the superconducting wire. Yes. So let me tell you a story. So so back in 2019 Commonwealth Fusion Systems the MIT startup they put out an order to the entire world and they say we want over 100,000 meters um of superconducting wire and this is the largest order in the history of this industry no one has ever tried to buy this much wire at once it's mm-hmm. huge and they said anyone who can do it will get a huge chunk of money and nobody could do it because like it never had been it never been asked before um a russian company called Superox in moscow russia invented an entirely new way to make the wire and they were able to meet it and give to um, Commonwealth 186 miles of superconducting wire. And they broke the world record for um, current through a wire. It's really cool. Um, If you've been to a museum and you've seen like cables and then a fiber optic Mm -hmm. and you know how like this little fiber will hold the same amount of messaging as all these cables this is this for electricity. This little wire is is as good as seven hundred copper wires.
0: How
1: how this big, little wire replaces how, the-
0: how big? Like what's the circumference of this wire? Is it like I'm just trying to get a picture. I wish I had like a little,
1: yeah. It's like a little. It's like a piece of tape. I can Think of a piece of tape. That's that's the ribbon, and you can it gets spliced down to something. That's a four millimeters it, to okay. be exact. It's four millimeters. Okay. It's a twelve millimeter wire that's spliced into three separate wires. So it's produces twelve millimeters and then spliced to four millimeters.
0: And what's what anyway. is? Uh, you could let the listeners in on what 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 is so important about having super a superconducting wire.
1: Well, it you can contain, uh, like I said, about seven hundred times more current than a copper wire. Okay, you can put seven hundred copper wires in one of these wires. So you can push a ton of current amps through this wire, and if you wind it in a magnet, you can create 10, 20 Tesla fields or higher. The highest world, the world record is 42 Tesla right now. Rebco has been tested up to 100 Tesla in short bursts. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm lo- and anyway, that wire was what went into MIT's magnet. So when you read in the newspaper or online or on Reddit or whatever that they broke the world record. The wire that they used for that was a Russian invention and it was almost more of an accomplishment for the superconducting wire industry than it was for fusion because everybody's always wanted to use superconducting wire but they could never get enough of it now we have this breakthrough in uh, manufacturing this was in nature by the way so it's first <laughs> off the publication in nature i can give you the paper
0: oh please so anyway do.
1: they yeah so yeah so it was a big deal um and it has a lot of interesting implications.
0: Yes, it does. I'd love to kind of get into the implications. My mind goes immediately to like electric cars and, and, and whatnot, but I'm not I'm, – would that, would that make the batteries – or would it make the batteries more efficient if you were able to apply that? If they, they were, everything was just utilize, was utilizing super uh, superconducting wires, am I kind of on the right path there?
1: Yeah, I mean, superconducting wires would apply for any system where you need a lot of current quickly. Fusion is perfect for that sort of application, mm-hmm. but you could also see it in the electrical grid, mm-hmm. in substations, MRI machines, generators, oh, yeah. and motors, and storage systems. You can store uh, energy using superconducting magnets. So this is a this is like a set of maybe ten. Uh, other applications for this innovation. So it's private fusion trying to get to net power. Along the way, they invent these other things that then spill over into these other markets. It's kind of like going to the moon. Like going to the moon wasn't about just getting to the moon. It was about the 17 or 20 or 30 other things we invented along the way. -hmm. That had implications for everyday life, like dishwashers and computers and microchips and cell phones. Um, Fusion is the same thing. Fusion is trying to get to (coughs) net power. Along the way, it's inventing superconducting wires, really awesome magnets, really cool laser systems that can be used in everyday products.
0: Yes, we didn't even get to the the laser laser
1: systems. systems. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get to the uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the laser systems? Fuck yeah, I want to talk about the lasers. <laughs> yeah, all right. Jeez.
0: <laughs> so you're you're are you
1: pretty you're pretty like stoic. Like you should be more amped this. Is exciting. Well, i, I, mean, I, don't
0: know. I get No, no, no. I'm I'm jacked. Trust me, I'm jacked. Yeah. I, but I'm I'm. You're you're you're, you wanna, throwing out, you're throwing out a lot of information, and I'm processing it. Like I'm just like that's I'm trying to make connections. Like I'm like, well, do I understand superconducting? Okay, I think I do. Well, that that would probably be better in electric car. What are some other apps? So I'm like thinking, and I'm also thinking of like questions to ask too. So I'm sure. processing a lot. I'm I'm jacked. Believe me, and believe me, we, I had to get off of space because that would have we would have just we would have just went to you know, being a level one civilization and all sorts of stuff. But, but what, what about the, uh, the laser systems? Like what, what, what what, we've invented new layers, lasers via this, uh, quest to quest for fusion. I would like to know more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the laser was invented in 1960, I want to say, and almost the first year that it came out, um, a guy at Livermore national laboratory, his name is John Nichols, Mm looked at that thing and said, we could use that to do fusion. The way we could do it is we take fusion fuel in a ball, tiny little ball, we zap it with laser beams. Okay. I'm not making this up. We zap it with laser beams. There's an explosion of energy outward, and there's an equal and opposite compression wave inward that squeezes the material to fusion conditions. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's the idea he comes up with. So now he spends 10 years working on that, trying it, testing it. It's all secret. It's all super secretive, super, super secretive. And then in 1972, he goes public and he wrote a paper in nature, 1972, John Nichols. It's like the, it's a, he's like considered the forefather of the entire laser fusion approach basically. Um, and since then the united states has poured a lot of money into this and through the through the decades we've gotten better and better and better bigger lasers more fancy lasers better glasses more laser systems better targets better balls of frozen fusion fuel um and then the big thing culminated in august when the national ignition facility um had a breakthrough basically it was I can talk about the breakthrough if yeah. you want. Oh no!
0: Please, ahead, please do, please do. Yeah, you're. I'm right oh. on the edge of my seat.
1: No. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so part of the thing is when you have fusion events occur, they they make they make two little atoms to make a bigger atom. That big atom is really really hot. Okay, it's yeah. got a lot of energy because it because literally what happened was when you did that, mass became energy. Yeah. Through E equals MC squared. That's literally yep. what happened. So we pulled some mass and we got some energy. And so this atom's got a ton of heat. Yep. And it flies away, mostly, usually, like 99.9% of the time, it's just gone. Because it's so hot, it just takes off. But the goal with ignition or what we were trying to do was to keep that atom around long enough so that it bumps into something and drops its heat. Yep. And when that happens, it heats up the plasma such that you can get a second fusion reaction. So ignition, so that's what it's called. It's called ignition or burning plasma. It's a big deal. The National Ignition Facility was bought and paid for to get ignition, and that's what ignition is. It's fusion chain reactions. So you just, it just the keeps difference going. Is, yeah, exactly. So there's fusion and there's fusion chain reactions. It's a difference one reaction leading to a second one leading to subsequent. Yeah. So that's ignition. And that's a big deal. That's something that had never happened before. It happened August 8th of 2021. For the first time in human history, we actually saw ignition occur in real life in a laboratory. It was a breakthrough that we've been hoping for for 40 freaking years. We had been spending a ton of money. The entire ICF community in the nation was waiting for this and it happened. It was so crazy. So I, so I was at work. <laughs> I was at work on a Thursday that week. I was on the phone with the senior scientist at Livermore. And we were talking about something else because we had a project going on. And in the middle of the call, he's just like, we got ignition. And I'm like, you're f- shit. <laughs> we got ignition. It's crazy. you know." So like, I go back to my desk. I literally go back to my email. I sit down and I start emailing my entire network. Because I know a lot of fusion people. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. I just heard I just heard from this guy at Livermore, and I can't say his name. I, I heard from this person who's a senior scientist at Livermore and at the University of Rochester that we got ignition. Is does anyone can anyone confirm this? Is this a real thing? Because I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And slowly over time, I started getting these messages back, like, yes, this happened. And then I got like then I got forwarded something that had been forwarded like five times from Tammy Ma, who's the director of Livermore's program. That just said this is a huge shot it's a big deal so then it was like then then i started like emailing it out to my network on friday so i'm emailing it out and i'm checking the news so there's nothing on the news there's nothing on the news we didn't hear until like i think it was sunday or monday that it was suddenly on google news and it was like oh my god it was it was really cool so anyway we're close. um yeah. we're close they call it the ignition <laughs> it's a big deal <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. But we're we're, we're getting yeah. close. I mean, are you are you pretty optimistic about, you know, mid-decade, 2025, 2026 that we will have fusion?
1: I think I'm optimistic because of the magnets. Uh I I know I just talked about the laser side of things, but I want to let's talk about the magnets for a minute. Yeah,
0: exactly. So,
1: um like I said earlier, fusion scales as the field to the fourth power. So, as the fields get awesome, so does the fusion rate and you're going to reach a point where that you're going to hit the tipping point. where you are going to make more power out than you put in. That's the kitty Hawk moment. That's the plane taking off in North Carolina. That's the thing that's never happened yet. We haven't made that power and we're getting closer. And I think the magnets are a big part of that. The other thing that's crazy about this is the, the most fusion machines are like one, two Tesla, like jet is like three Tesla, um, uh, PPPL, NSTXU is like three to four Tesla. KSTAR is like one to two or three Tesla. They're all copper magnets. They're not superconductors. They're not like the latest and greatest. So while all those machines were built in like the 90s and the early 2000s for KSTAR. KSTAR was in 2006. We had 42 Tesla superconducting magnets built in 1999. Wow. So... So what happened was we had fusion kind of over here doing his thing. We had this superconducting field over here kind of developing independently. The two haven't really collided yet, and that's starting to happen now. So there's a lot of cool innovations that can just be brought over that are kind of sitting on the shelf that can just be moved over. Yeah, And re- that re- plus re- that wire re- thing I talked about with Russia. So, yeah, that's where we're headed. Superconductors and fusion just kind of putting together, merging together.
0: I think that, um, that's yeah. amazing. I mean, the, the magnets are definitely, that's a game changer. Um, you're yes. going to be more efficient. It's the efficient.
1: big knob that you turn up.
0: Yep. You're being you know, more. That's
1: a little knot so turn the big knob.
0: Be, it'll be, there'll be more. No, no, you're good. You'll they will be more efficient and you'll be able to harness more power with the, with the, uh, the, the combination yeah. of the magnets. And I, I yeah. think that, what you you used the analogy you know it's like the first flight this is an emerging technology and i think that that's yeah. what excites me the most about it are the implications for what it does to what it does to our civilization once we achieve this you know we 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 can stop storing carbon in the oceans we can shift from yeah. oil and gas to a sustainable renewable energy source that is basically it's the power of the universe it's we're harness we're creating a mini sun on our planet it is and it's it's going to be incredible and then that'll also help us with in the space race as well it'll it'll help us be able to like you were saying it would make the mars trip which right now i think what a trip to mars like three months there and like six months back or something like that i'm I'm, I'm, john pull that up um yeah. he'll pull it up but it takes a long time you say, you're saying 30 days which is which is incredible yeah. uh once yeah, we once we're able to out once we're able to get fusion rockets what kind of speed would be i mean hypothetical here what kind of speed would we be would we be talking about
1: all right so so fusion pro- creates little particles that flash the speed of light and so if you know physics that's m mass times velocity mv mm-hmm. which is momentum so the, so the MV is shooting off in one direction. The velocity is really high because it's near speed of light. It's like two, some percentage of speed of light. The mass is really low. <laughs> so there's a flip side of that. Anyway, what happens is your rocket would slowly speed up, mm-hmm. slowly, slowly, mm-hmm. slowly speed up, and then you'd get about halfway to Mars and you turn the ship around and start firing it to slow yourself down. Whoa. So you're literally... Whoa speed up, midpoint turnaround, slow down and get to Mars. And that's how that works. Um,
0: John, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. One second, John, what was
1: that? Oh, to answer your question about Mars, a one-way trip takes about nine months to get there. But if you want to do round trip, it's a nine months there. You have to wait three months for Mars and Earth to get in alignment to make the jump. And then it's another nine months home. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So the the numbers I'm quoting, by the way, are from Princeton Fusion Systems. They're a small company in New Jersey. They're working with Princeton Plasma Physics Laboratory. Um, Princeton Plasma Physics Laboratory has something called the PFRC. It's a really awesome fusion concept. So there's a there's a university lab and a small company working together, and they've been working together for about 20 years. And they've taken the PFRC and they've built like a little prototype in the bench lab work, and they've also done design studies where they can say they've modeled the distance the route and the amount that they get in thrust and so they can they can they can comfortably say 30 days to mars 30 days on mars 30 days home with a fusion rocket um and that that's that's all that's what that would be from um anyway when but uh when, <laughs> go go ahead sorry go on. no i was okay. i was going to i was going to say that um you you were talking about kitty hawk moment plane taken off to be fair to the general public nobody ever believes that these things are real until they can see them it's just it's just how people are as a crowd so when flight was invented nobody believed it even after it happened it took like three years before it like blew up and became a mainstream story because people just didn't believe that flight was real. They literally had to go to their air shows and see planes flying around before they could see it and believe it. So I I get that people are excited, but I get that most people don't pay attention to this because no one's going to believe fusion is real until they can see it and put their hand on it and go, that's a fusion reactor. So I, I understand that. But anyway, um, from us, us on the inside, the fusion researchers, we know that we are getting closer, even if the public isn't paying attention yet. So... Anyway,
0: I mean, well, that's, it's a big ask, right? Like there's so many things that distract people and that's kind of the goal of this show is, is reaching out to people that are, are the insiders and trying to translate their message for the masses in ways that people can, can understand it. Um, we have a lot of, a lot of scientists toiling in the darkness and not getting any recognition to make the world a better place. And that's what it takes. Right. Uh, Sarah Seeger is searching for life on Venus. She's looking for microorganisms. I'm all for that. I'm a big advanced civilization alien type person. That's who I am. But I think that we'll find microorganisms first. But it's important that we have people that are willing to toil in these – Obs- look, looking look in obscure places and i, I appreciate that because that's how we're going to have a breakthrough and and also just not listening to whatever the mainstream is or whatever mainstream science is and, and continuing c- continuing to be curious and continuing to push and i i really yeah. do believe in i believe that we're going to achieve fusion in in 2026 20, 2025 like i i'm i'm hopeful just because that that's a, that opens a new her, a new era for mankind. It opens up so and many more possibilities, and it gets us a little bit. We're unlocking. We've just unlocked a secret, right? One secret. Then what else can we develop from that? How how much better can we be? Uh, and I, it's very sure. very exciting t- times. I, I mean, we we have the ability to do we have the ability to have nuclear energy. I mean, could you speak a little bit why about why that is everyone is so anti, I mean, it obviously has applications. If we have, the military using it to fuel aircraft carriers and submarines, and we have nuclear power plants. I believe France has quite a few nuclear power plants that are still operational, and yeah. and and powering its civilization. So, I mean, I know we've had some meltdowns, but like, I, are we past that? Is it is it pretty safe now, or you know, what's going on there? Is it a conspiracy well, by big that, oil?
1: <laughs> no, I I, I mean. I mean, there's markets, and there's economics, and there's public opinion, and they all play into the nuclear question. Um, I will say that the U.S. military operates the most nuclear reactors of any organization in the world. They have more nuclear subs and aircraft carriers than there are actual power plants in the United States. So uh, there's a, there's a hundred and, I think there's a hundred and thirty plus nuclear submarines and aircraft carriers. There's about, there's eleven carriers, and then there's certain number of submarines. Maybe I can't talk about that exactly.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha.
1: The U.S. military operates those things, and you never hear of an accident, ever. There's never been a nuclear accident uh, on a Navy ship of any kind. It's really amazing. Um, You know, the Navy has, I think the Navy can go to over 130 ports of call around the world, uh, and they're allowed to go to any city, any those cities and harbors because they're known to be safe. Um, so the military is an incredible organization and it, it's really due to Admiral Rickover who built a world-class group and that culture has maintained itself through the decades. Um, and you never hear about it because it's all secret. Yep. you never hear about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but so why does nuclear not, is not everywhere is because of economics. It's not an all pl- It's not an everything solution. And I also want to say that's true about fusion too. Fusion doesn't work for everything. It doesn't it can't go in like a small African village where there's a very limited amount of power. It can't go into some remote part of the Arctic. Fusion is a, is good for a broad base load power source and it can offset a huge amount of carbon, but it won't work for every single solution. Some people don't need that. They don't have enough money to pay for it. They don't want it frankly. So it's a, Fusion is not going to offput or offset or compete with solar, wind, geothermal, okay? I am pro-everything. This is a huge transition. We got to transition off fossil fuels. And so everybody has to be involved. Every solution has a place here. Um, so for Fusion, I'll just say that, like, um, a good place to put it for the first place is probably on the site of an existing Decommissioned nuclear power plant. You just replace the old reactor with the new reactor. Mm-hmm. It's already got all the site licenses. It's got all the legal stuff. It's got the regulatory stuff. It's got like the the infrastructure around it. So that's actually a really good place to start. Now, as to why nuclear isn't more widely known, um, history of nuclear. You know, Rick Overfounds it. It gets into the Navy. He builds the shipping port reactor in nineteen fifty seven or fifty eight. In Pennsylvania, that's the first commercial power plant. The Westinghouse reactor, AP600, AP becomes like the number one reactor. It's the only licensed reactor in the United States. And Westinghouse builds almost hundred and three hundred and four nuclear reactors around the country. Uh, and now nuclear makes up about 19 to 17% of the U.S. energy mix, roughly. Um, and when Three Mile Island happened, It ground nuclear construction to a halt. It formed this anti-nuclear crowd in the United States that protested and got laws passed. And then the NRC clamped down on all innovation and safety. And basically for a generation from 82 to probably like five years ago, nuclear didn't really move forward or advance. There was innovations happening at university laboratories and small firms, but nothing could get through that regulatory brick wall that basically went up. What's happening now has been really interesting in the last five to six years. Fusion com- or fission companies, sorry, fission companies, TerraPower, X Energy, Karyos, uh, New Scale, uh, and uh, Oaklo are all trying to build small advanced fission reactors. And Congress passed a law, 2019, to the uh, Nuclear Innovation Act, to try to open the doors and let those reactors come through. So companies like New Scale have the first site license ever. TerraPower is trying to build a small nuclear reactor in a town in Wyoming. So nuclear power is making a resurgence, and fusion can kind of piggyback off that. If fission, if fission plants can get through that regulatory safety gate, fusion plants can follow in their lead and kind of go through at the same time, or later on, excuse me. What are um, some of those? So yeah, that's what.
0: What are some of sorry, the ris- what are some of the risks with, the uh, risk with uh,
1: fusion? fusion okay
0: what are some of the dangers
1: okay well so first of all fusion doesn't run away um, like fission does. So fission you can have a meltdown because the reaction can get out and it can start a chain reaction that'll that'll eventually lead to a meltdown. Fusion doesn't have that problem okay Fusion is really hard to do so if the reactor like screws up, the reactor just shuts down pretty much. Fusion isn't something that wants to happen normally. So that's a big safety positive right there. Um, the, other th- the other thing is the plasma is super hot, so you'd have to dump it and it would expel out into the atmosphere and then it would cool down. Um, and because the densities are, are what the densities are, that wouldn't be so bad, but it could lead to a lot of costs and damage. Fusion does create um, activated material, so radioactive material on the walls. So there is some waste, um, but there's no carbon footprint, <laughs> a very little carbon footprint, aside from what it takes to build it. Um, but there's very little waste. Uh, so Fusion has uh, no runaway reactions, radioactivity, and the small um, the plasma leaks. Those are probably the three big ones. And so, what, yeah, and
0: what would, what would a plasma leak look like? I'm, I'm just trying to...
1: Um, it would be, it would probably, what would happen is the magnets would fail, the plasma would escape, it would blast the wall, it would melt some of the steel, and then it would be about that. That would be about what it would be. And
0: there'd be, there'd be a little bit of yeah, nuclear. Yeah, you, yes. yeah. It would cost a lot. There'd be a little bit of nuclear materials.
1: but Yeah, yeah, yes. And we just see it. There's nuclear materials, yeah. There's some metal that will come off that's radioactive. Okay. That, we'd have to deal with that metal the same way we'd deal with radioactive waste right now Mm -hmm. um so you know you'd be doing some maintenance every couple of years to swap out the the wall of your reactor to deal with that radioactive stuff but that is a small price to pay for the amount of freaking energy you get out of this machine i mean can you imagine doing the the entire greater new york city area on one power plant that does no carbon footprint, and then you put electric cars in there. Oh my god, it would be it would be awesome. I mean, it really would be awesome. It would really really help us fight climate well, change. It's gonna happen.
0: It's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, it's, it's gonna I mean, happen. And to be very very clear for the listeners,
0: when we say fission, we're talking about nuclear. Yeah, we're talking about nuclear. That's where you get the nuclear. When you say fusion, we are not. We're talking about creating a sun on the planet. That's right. Okay, I got it. Woo! So you know we have a we have a game we like to play on uh, the Rick's Mind podcast, and uh, I want you to know that we we are investors here. We're financially we're financially literate audience and we've invested heavily into the prison industries no that's a that's a long running joke <laughs> that's a that's a long run you can buy you can buy prison stocks though just so everyone knows wow. that um, what are you connect investors such as myself you know i've got tons of capital here how can i how can i get involved with this are there any of them are there any of the fusion companies listed on any of the stock exchanges
1: there is potentially going to be one soon.
0: Oh actually. fuck! Can you can you talk about yeah.
1: that? Uh, I uh, I think I so there's a few there's a firm called TAE Technologies.
0: Okay, TAE. They are Te- not
1: new. Yeah, they're they're pretty well established. They've been around since 2000 and 1998. They were found in 1998 at UC Irvine mm-hmm. um, by a guy named Norman Rostoker and Michel Binderbauer. Norman was the old guy, and he was, he was probably in his 70s when he founded the company. Old professor, had spent his whole career in fusion research, and his dream was to found a company to make this thing real. He had a graduate student named Michelle Binderbauer, who was much younger, a PhD student. The two of them were at university. They were trying to get money for their concept. They couldn't get money. So they said, well, just found a company, <laughs> Let's just do it. And it was one of the first um, companies, well, one of the first companies that's still around today. There's been others in the past. They failed. These guys are still around. They've raised $880 plus million in private funding since 1998. They built something called the C2U uh, that's about the size of a school bus, and it, it's a big um, circular thing. And it, what it does is it takes plasma and spins it around like a football. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it can get the plasma going about 5 million degrees Kelvin. And it, they, they keep whacking it with particle beams to keep it spinning. So they keep this hot plasma kind of spinning in the center. And they can get it to fuse if they can get it big enough. And they, as I said, 180 $880-plus raised. They have a team, 150 people. They built this machine in California. They're in Los Angeles. They've done that partnership with Google uh, for control. Anyway, they are now gearing up for the first IPO infusion in the stock market ever. When
0: is this? Uh, um, do you have any idea? Can you give us a ballpark I, figure of when? When uh... I
1: think it's I think it's in the next twelve to eighteen months. Don't quote me on that. I th- this has been the rumor. It's a it's a rumor. The, what I've got is so there's a financial reporter who's a friend of mine who works for a financial services and he got the inside scoop because he interviewed Binderbauer and he interviewed. They hired a new CEO in June. And he was from the, like a normal chemical company. He was from like a normal place. He came in and he restructured the company. He's got a holding company on top. That's TAE. They got different business units below. They got the fusion group. Then they've got particle accelerators, mobile power, medical, and I think there's one other one. And they're tr- he's trying to structure the firm for an IPO because once he does that, he can, he can do the fusion stuff and keep that central and then spin out. All the other business units to try to generate revenue in other areas because f- because to get to f- the machine that they've gotten they had to invent awesome power switches pulse power systems particle accelerators really cool other diagnostics all of which can be sold in other industries Whoa. so um, yeah. yeah i would i would watch for that
0: I'd i'm watching that, so TK, definitely that. But say that one more time
1: TAE Technologies.
0: TAE Technologies.
1: Yeah, yep. Doing it yeah. right now. They were in the. Actually, it was cool. Um, uh, what was the movie with Tom Hanks that just came out? Fitch or Hitch? Fitch, I think. Where Tom Hanks was this old guy, and he had a robot friend.
0: Oh, uh, how, wait, wait. When you say you just know, going out, out, John's gonna get it, what was it, John?
1: It is Finch, yeah. Finch. Finch. Okay. So TAE is in the movie. In fact, uh, Tom Hanks' character in the movie works for TA Technologies. If you watch the movie, like the beginning, he's in a TA Technologies, like, warehouse, building robots and stuff. So it's super cool that they actually got the company in a movie. But anyway...
0: That's so you that's, can look that's, them up. that's amazing, man. I've d- that is so cool. Well, I'm, I'm honestly probably gonna get get a representative on the on the pod now. This is interesting. It, this whole I love what I love about the the, the fusion <clears throat> community is very small. It's very tight knit, and you. There's like you know like five or six threads, and you just start pulling on them, and everyone's really friendly and uh, excited to talk about it. We got to get the message out. We're doing our part here. We got to get the message out because this is amazing. More people need to know about this. It's 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 the the implications. I can't say it enough. Are are incredible, and I I can't all the all the all the inventions that are coming from this are astounding, and I just I can't wait what are the next five or six years going to bring i mean who knows at this point like tons of tons of amazing things um so so that is there any others that that are potentially going to do an ipo in the near future
1: as um as far as i know no right now it's still a rich man's game to be frank um you know commonwealth so commonwealth set a world record in september They built a 20 Tesla magnet. They put out a press release. They put out a video that was viewed like 100,000 times. Really exciting stuff. And then we heard like through the grapevine, through rumors, we were at the APS, the American Physics Society, Dense Plasma Physics Conference. We were at that conference in November. And at the conference on the floor, everyone was saying that Commonwealth had some big announcement raise coming or whatever and they told us that people said it was going to be a billion dollars and i was like a billion dollars that's crazy there's never been a billion dollar raise in fusion this is nuts uh and then about a month later they come public and it was 1.8 billion dollars yeah whoa and so that investment round was oversubscribed significantly um and they they had takers from there were there were there were things like retirement funds that were interested in that because if your target fund is 2060, fusion is a thing that you could consider. If your if your retirement fund is, is that far in advance, fusion is something you could look at if you right-size the risk mm-hmm. from an investment perspective. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and, and the other thing that Commonwealth did as a company and the startup community would appreciate this, they locked people out for four years. Nice. So they basically said... Get in now, or you have to wait four years, and that's another reason why the the month the amount was so high.
0: Yeah, that is actually very very smart. I like that a lot. That's that's yeah. clever. I'm really I'm I'm glad that this that this industry is beginning to privatize too. As we kind of spoke about in the beginning, it makes things more nimble. It makes it makes it a lot more efficient, and you have I mean, Eater has to. you're working with, I don't know, like some like 50 different governments and over a thousand different people to try and make decisions. And those numbers are completely arbitrary. So for just so everyone knows, but it's hard to get shit done and you have different governments and different competing interests. And it's just, it's, it's a disaster. But once you, it's just like space, space has become privatized because Elon Musk gets shit done. We're still waiting on Bezos dog. What what are you doing? (laughs) Um, But this is um, this is definitely exciting times. Um, you have a you have a book. Um, when when's it coming yep. out? And <laughs> nuclear fusion. Um, so,
1: yeah. So the preprint is available. I am I'm selling it. Um, but the book itself, we are submitting the draft. We've submitted the draft to Nature Springer in the fall. Mm-hmm. The editor went through it once. I have a co-author, So he went through it and now I'm going through it again. And then we're going to submit the final, 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 um, March 31st. And then they're going to do their thing. So nature springer takes it. They do the typesetting. They do the figures. We do legal stuff. I'm checking images Mm -hmm. and then it'll come out. Probably we expect it out in like late summer, early fall of 2022 this year.
0: Not Um, not every, not everybody listens. So tell, tell them the name.
1: Oh it, well, the book right now is called "An Insider's View of Commercially Commercial Nuclear Fusion." is okay. available on my website. If you want to buy it, um, I, I have copies here. It's it's fusion in pictures. It's essentially fusion for for people who don't know anything about fusion, uh, and it's 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 one, it's different families of fusion approaches. So tokamaks are one whole chapter. Mm-hmm. Mirrors, which was a very popular program in the 1980s and 70s in the United States, is a chapter. Pinches are a chapter. They were the first fusion machine that ever worked. Uh, They they weren't followed because of problems, but there's actually a startup company now that's got a pretty promising pinch thing. Um, So Mirrors, Tokamaks, Pinches, Plasma Structures, Plasma Jets, CUS Systems, ICF, the laser fusion approach, and, um, and, uh, uh, one other one, um, st- uh, stellarators are their own chapter. So each chapter is the history of this idea, like who came up with it when it was first invented, who thought of it, how that person, who that person was, how they dedicated their professional scientific research career to pursuing it. What were the problems they encountered? How did it not work the way they thought it would? How did the idea change? To meet those new challenges and improve, and sort of where what are those challenges, and then um, where does the sy- the system stand right now? Like wh- how good is this idea right now? So you can basically a roadmap for the entire field. So this is tokamaks, these are mirrors, this is pinches, these are all these different ideas. Compare them all. Figure out where you would put your money. Like it's a it's a survey of the entire field the last seventy years. And it's a really important book, I think, from that perspective. An investor that wants to understand which one they want to fund, which horse they want to bet on, they can look at all the horses and compare them, basically. And and by the way, a lot of them benefit from crazy magnets. If you take a magnet and put it in a mirror machine, an awesome magnet in a mirror machine, that performance goes up. If you put it in a tokamak, the performance goes up. If you put it in a plasma structure, the performance goes up. So there's the, the, yeah, that's the situation. That's the trend right now. Add a crazy magnet to whatever you're trying.
0: So if you're a smart investor, you'll own magnet companies in your stock portfolio. That's the stock tip that Matt gave you. You're welcome. That was free. Okay, guys. The next one I'm going to have to charge you for. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think it's the a lot of these these scientists that have worked on this over 70 years. There's quite a few of them. They're never going to see. Ign- there's quite a few of them that have never seen ignition. That have never okay. that will never even see fusion. And I want to shout those folks out there. The they're the bricklayers, if you will, of uh, building a. A, a chapel or a steeple or a pyramid, like they never got to see the end result of their work. And I think that there's, there's a certain poetic beauty to that. It's it's kind of sad if you dedicate your life to something and you never see the end result, but without you, you know, it wouldn't, it it wouldn't have come to fruition. So shout out to those folks. Um, yeah. Do you have any socials or anything that um,
1: you want to give out? Uh, I mean, I've got a, a fusion podcast, the fusion podcast. So uh, I interviewed fusion researchers from around the country. It's really cool. Fusionpodcast.com. Um, I've got a website, fusionconsultant.net, which um, has a six hour short course based around the book. It's a series of YouTube lectures that's free at one YouTube lecture, one chapter, and you can listen to it in your car, on, at the gym, whatever, and it'll go through the whole history of fusion. So I think that's a really promising thing. I, and then there is a nuclearfusionsharktank.com, which is a little dated, but it's got some interesting work there. Basically, we tried to get a bunch of university teams and national labs that had fusion concepts and put them in front of actual investors, and they got to practice pitching. Some of them went on to raise some serious money. So it was like a little bit of a like a petri dish where you got to test out some things. So, yeah, yeah, those are all cool things. I think people should check them out.
0: Absolutely. We'll, we're going to link everything in the show notes, as always. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm, you're coming back again. Uh, is is pro- I mean, i want to say as soon as there's an update, but that could be some time. We'll get you on before then. Um, but y- you never know, though. There could be a breakthrough next week. You never know. Then you'll be back on. But yeah, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. It's been very educational for me. Uh, folks, thanks for, thanks for listening. Uh, if you feel so inclined, give us a like. Feel free to subscribe. Give us five stars. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace and love.